Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Biggest race of the year is getting closer in four days. These four drivers will compete for the Monster Energy Cup Series Championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. Today on NASCAR America, we will continue our title preview. We continue to flash back to the eight greatest moments of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s career. Today's moment means quite a bit to one of our analysts as well. And we'll also bring you a special tribute that very quickly went viral when it was released. And Sunday's race... Maybe the end for Danica Patrick as well. It is the end of her tenure at Stuart Haas Racing, and her future right now is uncertain. So what does that mean for the sport? And after months of nominations and anticipation, this season's NBC Pit Crew All-Star team going to be revealed today. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Carolyn Mano alongside our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. And we are joined from NBC Charlotte by our crew chief, Steve Letarte, and our NASCAR reporter, Nate Ryan. DJ, just want to start with you before we get to our NBC Pit Crew All-Star stuff, which we are so excited about today. Yeah. You did have an opportunity to sit down at 30 Rock in New York City with the Championship Four yesterday. It was a great interview, and we'll bring you a little bit of it on today's show. But what was your takeaway from the energy, the vibe that those four professionals have as they get ready for this weekend? Uh, Kel, I think I got them at a really good time. They had just traveled together. I wasn't sure they were even allowed to do that or wanted to do that. But they traveled up to New York City together. And so they were still pretty happy at that time. But I think by the time the interview was over with a few questions and a few surprises along the way there, uh, they were starting to get into that race mode that uh, Kevin Harvick got pretty serious before it was over. So I think they're all ready to go. Yeah, they were starting to dial it in a little bit towards the end. We'll bring you the best moments from that conversation. But, Steve, as I mentioned, it is a huge day here. We are finally revealing our Pit Crew All-Star team in today's show. You have been such a big part of this project. I know you can't wait to get this going. No, Caroline, I can't. We've nominated over 60 people over the course of the year, men and women within the garage area that make their teams what they are. I mean, Everyone has a story. I'm just a kid from a small town in Maine who had a chance to sweep floors for Everham, and I, from there, kind of did every job in the garage to become a crew chief. And, Nate, you work those long hours in the garage. You see these men and women. The right. lights are always on, setting up pit road. There's so many people that make these cars go on and track. what's great about it, Steve, is that you just mentioned, every one of them has a story. And sometimes I think we're, they're underserved in the fact that we don't always recognize that. And this is a great vehicle for learning exactly who these men and women are that, that service these cars and, and you know keep the lights on and, and keep everything moving in NASCAR every week. And, Carolyn, what better weekend than championship weekend? We're going to talk a lot about the four championship drivers, but there are four championship teams as well. And who knows? It could be one of these pit crew all-stars or someone else on the team that makes the move that ends up winning them the trophy. Yeah, we had dozens of nominees, and we brought their stories to you over the last couple of months, and it's just been our pleasure, and we cannot wait to do that today. Meantime, there is a little bit of work to do at hand. Our pit reporters working hard as well. Marty Snyder and Dave Burns bringing us reports on Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. yesterday. And today, they got the other half of the championship force. So let's start with Marty Snyder, who visited Team Penske. 
Well, Carol, on a busy Wednesday here at Team Pinsky, pit practice for Brad Kozlowski's team out back and on the shop floor. A lot of work trying to win Kozlowski and Team Pinsky a championship in 2017. If you're looking for an underdog in this championship for Brad, Kozlowski says, hey, we're probably the underdogs. Had a chance to talk to Paul Wolf about that yesterday, and he said, while we struggle for speed at the mile and a half here in the playoffs, I think Homestead is going to be a little bit different. He said they tested along with Ryan Blaney, their teammate, and they noticed just how abrasive that racetrack was. Paul tells me, I think that's going to fit Brad's style much more than the other mile and a half so far in the playoffs. Number two, the teamwork that's happening here at Team Penske. Yes, they've had the rough patches during the playoffs, but for Miami, they're going to leave here with all three cars exactly the same. Brad Kozlowski, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano will have every nut and bolt the same. All the geometry settings, all the body settings will be the same in order to, when they start first practice on Friday, go in completely different directions, all with the goal of finding that two car a little more speed for the race on Sunday. And the third thing Paul told me, he said, listen, I feel like we've had room to grow with our aero program, especially here in the playoffs. I'm not sure the other teams can say that. We're bringing a completely different aero package to Miami than we brought to Texas just a few weeks ago. We think we can make improvements that other teams might not be able to make. Bottom line, Carolyn Paul told me, listen, even with 25 laps to go at Phoenix, I didn't think we would be here. Nobody thought we would be in this championship four, so we have nothing to lose on Sunday. A lot of really good information there from Marty Snyder. Is it unusual, DJ, for all of the cars to be so similar in the way that Marty just detailed? You know, they'll be similar a lot of times, but not exact. And what they're trying to do is give their teammates to Brad Keselowski, uh, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano the opportunity to try things during practice that could benefit uh, Brad Keselowski as they try to make this two-car as fast as they possibly can for this weekend. Listen, Steve and Nate, it's not always the fastest car that wins the championship. You don't right. even have to look that far back. Recent history would tell you that just Back to last year. For you, where does Brad Kozlowski rank right now uh, among the championship four? Steve, I'll start with you. Well, I think, Carolyn, that, that it's accurate to say he's probably the fourth of the four when it comes to speed. When you look at his numbers over the course of the playoffs and really the entire season, he just hasn't quite matched the speed of the other three competitors. Um, I would have put Kevin Harvick in that bucket with him, but he seemed to have improved as the playoffs have come. But actually, Nate, I think that makes this two car even more dangerous. I think that Brad Kozlowski and Paul Wolf and the combination of the two are probably the strongest team when it comes to strategy, outside-the-box strategy. So if you take this team and you make him the fourth of the four on speed, I think he knows how to put the pressure on the other three teams just by pit decisions. And I think that you know, no one, I think, is more cerebral in terms of drivers in cup than Brad Kozlowski. And I think we saw a little bit of that yesterday when DJ did his roundtable with the four drivers. I was struck by the fact that Brad Kozlowski, who usually has a lot to say, didn't really have a lot to say when, when DJ was asking these questions. And I, I think that you could interpret that as, oh, is he maybe not as confident? Does he, does he feel like he's not ready as much and doesn't really you know have a lot of things to bring to the table here i i took it as the opposite i think he's lying in wait and i think to your point i think the number two team feels as if even if they are the underdog even if they're fourth of four paul wolf's strategy always keeps them in the game you've talked about that a lot at, at, at length lately and i think that is a reason to believe that this team could win the championship i mean dj think about it a long green flag run to finish this race and all of a sudden the two peels off yeah. and splits it up dead in the middle if yeah. you were one of those other three crew chiefs and you don't follow him and it runs green, he beats you. If you follow him and the caution comes out, you lost because you followed him. I really think he's going to put the pressure on those other three crew chiefs. Yeah, don't count this group out. Just because they haven't been the fastest, haven't shown us exactly everything that they have, uh, they found their way here by 
knowing what to do in the right situations. And Paul Wolf is so good at this. Uh, he's going to drive the other three crazy just by doing <laughs> something different at the at a time that they're all going to say, what in the world is he doing? So we'll, Brad will find his way there and be a part yes, of it. Yes, and this. I saw Brad Kozlowski choosing not to take the bait in the yes. interview <laughs> with you. I'm not sure about the confidence issue. I think that's there as well. Steve mentioned Kevin Harvick. So for more on how the 2014 champ is preparing, let's go to Dave Burns now. While Kevin Harvick takes a much-valued personal day before the rigors of championship weekend get going, his team is hard at work trying to continue an upward trend. And you might wonder if the four team is peaking at just the right time. What would they say? Well, during the regular season, crew chief Rodney Childers and I would talk about what to expect in an upcoming race. And Rodney often used the phrase, I don't know. And it's not that he didn't know how to race or what to try to win the race. It's just that with the unfamiliarity of working with Ford this year, he was as curious as I was to see how the day would end. But once the playoffs started, Childers told me that they found some of their traditional performance, especially at the races at Chicagoland and Dover, and that that speed would translate to Charlotte and Texas. At Charlotte, Kevin finished third after leading the most laps during the day to Truex's win, and then he flipped it at Texas. Truex leading the most, but Kevin ultimately coming away with the victory. Childers calls this sport, quote, a constant progression of success, and that you have to push to try and make the most out of every race. Well, they've certainly pushed lately, and they may in fact now know that they can beat the other three in the championship race. But will it happen for Harvick on Sunday? It's much more plausible now than it was earlier in the year, but I don't know. <laughs> All right, Dave, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. See, when you consider the fact that Kevin Harvick has finished in the top three in the last three races at Miami and that they have been performing well as of late in these playoffs, how much richer does this battle get now with having him perform the way that they have been? When I watch those closing laps at Texas and watch Kevin Harvick not only win, but run the 78 down on a mile-and-a-half track, pass him, and go on to victory, I circled Kevin Harvick as then my favorite. I think the 78 has got to be the favorite when it comes to speed. But the four of Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers on top of the pit box, this combination has really been magical since put together at Stuart Haas Racing years back. They've already won one championship, and I really think they've been off the radar purely because of the transition to Ford. And if it's true, and they have found some of the building blocks necessary to put a championship car on the racetrack, I don't think there's a driver more mentally savvy, mentally tough, than Kevin Harvick when it comes to Miami. Uh, you're looking on the track, Steve, and that's a good place to start. I'm looking off the track, though, and after Texas, I saw a much more relaxed, you know, very composed uh, Kevin Harvick who met with the media and, and went at length, as long as I've seen him go, really, in a post-race news conference before, and, and talked about just not just his team, but where he is in life. Obviously, he's going to be a father again, and he's got the radio show this year that he's, he's really pleased with. And I just think that he is in a really good spot and that's partially why the team is in a really good spot. And it's the same with Rodney Childers. If you talk to him, I mean, he is a guy who certainly is very blunt and, and doesn't uh, sugarcoat things at all. And it, he, you know, talked a lot about how this season, I think they went looking for excuses as to why they weren't running well. And a couple months ago, they just decided enough. We're just going to be better. We're, we're not going to worry about that we switched to Ford and we're trying to chase the Toyotas down. We're just going to figure out how we can be better. And they really have been since the start of the playoffs. TJ, one of the things I noticed about you sitting down with all four drivers yesterday, especially Kevin Harvick, was when you asked a question about legacy and what it would mean for three out of those four, not including Martin Truex Jr., to add another title. Mm -hmm. You know, Brad Kozlowski, all those other guys, very much into that question, thinking about their legacy. Kevin Harvick, to me, 
mentioned Ford, mentioned Stuart Haas, mentioned exactly what was at hand and just seemed to be so present and not really thinking about what it could potentially mean. And to me, that says he is mentally ready to Steve's point to go execute and win another championship. Yeah. Can you call somebody a bulldog in a good way? That, that's, <laughs> yes. I mean, this. I keep looking at the playoff format and, and where all the rules were spelled out, and I keep looking for Kevin Harvick's signature at the end of it that he signed off on, that this is the way he would love to have this all play out because it just fits him perfectly. We've seen him have to win when he had to win to move on. We see him do all the right things. And going to Homestead, there's no reason to think that he's not going to be a part of this battle. I spoke with him. Every, all of us have talked about Texas, and I spoke with him during Friday's practice session, and I went up to him just said, hey, it really looks like that y'all have started to make the gains that need to do uh, on the Toyotas in particular. And he corrected me very quickly. He said, oh, no, we're there. He said, when I showed up at Chicago and I had the car that I had there, I knew we were going to be a part of the championship four. I knew the opportunity was there. We had found what we needed to. We're not We're not still trying to catch up. We're there with them. And then he went out and won the race. So uh, he will be there dogging them to the very last lap. <laughs> Bulldogging them. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. We've been talking about uh, how the championship four had been in New York. They had a very busy day yesterday. They were promoting Sunday's title race. So we're going to bring you the best of that conversation with DJ and also their appearance on The Tonight Show as well. It was a lot of fun yesterday, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Wednesday night is rivalry night, and it's an original six showdown this time around. Ryan McDonough and the Red Hot Rangers facing Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks. Rangers have won six straight. That is tonight, 8 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. Well, yesterday in New York City, like we've mentioned, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Kevin Harvick joined DJ for a sit-down conversation before they race for the championship on Sunday in Miami. Now, why would you start with them? Is there well, something I'm missing? They've had a little bit of a history. Oh, okay. Isn't that, that's I fair. Think probably every one of us has had a history with each other. As much as we've raced together, you're going to have run-ins. Harvick wrecked me at Homestead last year on a straightaway. Uh-huh. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> Look at him looking at me. That's not, you remember that? Hosted that last year on the stadium. That last year. <laughs> See? How quickly I forget. Right? You always forget when you're on the receiving end. Yes. Yeah. forget. <laughs> if we have a Kyle moment, uh, Kyle moment during the weekend, we have way more callers. Yeah, than, than, than what we do on a non-Kyle moment. I can promise you that. So you're but, saying unpopular? Uh, do I want an no, award for that? I, I, I wouldn't. I would. I would say that it's you popular. aggravate them it's more popular. than anything. Yeah. yeah. If I had to pick, I would choose uh, my buddy Martin over here, being the Toyota compadre that he is, and bringing home Toyota another championship. Okay. Well, I was going to pick the Ford contingent, so I got you covered, Kevin. All right. I got you covered. <laughs> there has been already a winner pick for this down at Zoo Miami today, and they had a vulture to do it. You guys, <laughs> a, vulture. a vulture. Yes. That's about yes. what it takes. Okay. Here we go. You can see the video right here. So, any idea who he may go to here? Whoever's got food. <laughs> 18 and the Kyle Bush. 18, that 14, was the pick. There's the order so far. He just looking for food. He don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best stuff from yesterday. It really was a fun conversation. And after chatting with DJ, Championship Four made their way over to the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy gave each of the drivers their own Tonight Show superlatives, but the drivers also dished out a few for the host. Our first driver is Brad Keselowski. He was voted, most likely to have just Googled, how does a person stand? <laughs> Our next driver is Martin Truex Jr. 
He was voted most likely to be a mannequin in the NASCAR gift shop. <laughs> he won't blink. He doesn't blink. Doesn't blink. Up next, we have Kyle Busch. He was voted adult Stewie Griffin. Wow. wow. Rare award. Rare award. Rare. Rare. Would have been given out twice. Next up, we have Kevin Harvick. He was voted most likely to be named Sexiest Man Alive by Supercuts Magazine. That's a... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the top four drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series Championship, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick! Here's Jimmy Fallon. He's the host of The Tonight Show. He was voted most likely to be sitting on a vibrating cell phone. Kevin, uh, why don't you bring us home here? Finally, we have Jimmy Fallon. He was voted most likely to have a Viagra logo on the hood of his car, even though they're not paying him. There you go. I deserve that. <laughs> you know what, PJ? It's nice to see the drivers dishing it out once in a while because those superlatives from Jimmy Fallon were pretty entertaining. They are very entertaining. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to see the drivers. They're a lot of fun, and uh, they have a good personality and quick wit about them, too. So that, that was great. I enjoyed uh, staying up for that last night and uh, kind of laughing out loud. You know, I was the only one at the room, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> you know what, Steve? While we touch on Truex and Kyle Busch, because we haven't done so on the show already, I know you've mentioned the fact that Truex, despite all the consistency, is now surrounded by three veterans who know how to win this championship. Has anything changed for you in terms of him being the favorite heading into this race? I know a couple minutes ago on the show, you really mentioned Kevin Harvick, uh, highlighting him as somebody who could be a legitimate contender. Well, as we went through the contenders, we talked about Paul Wolf on top of the pit box for Brad Kozlowski or Kevin Harvick in the seat of the four car. And I really think when I look at Martin Truex Jr., as silly as this may sound, he has the strength when it purely comes to car. I think the 78 car is going to be the fastest race car in Miami. It has been at every mile-and-a-half track, Nate. The question is, the fastest cars don't always win. There's a lot of complication from green flag to checkered flag, pit strategy, pit stops, uh, restarts at a track that everything can kind of jump out and bite you the preferred groove right up against the wall. So that's really my question at the 78 is the other three have proved they can perform on the biggest stage. Right. Can Cole Pern and Martin Trex Jr., and I'm going to be – Waiting to see like everyone else. Well, I think the key there, Steve, is they already have. I mean, if you look at almost every mile-and-a-half victory they've had this year, they've overcome some adversity, starting with the playoff opener with the pit road speeding penalty and the loose wheel, or Charlotte, where they were mediocre for the first half, or Kansas, the restart violation that had everybody perplexed or had half the field, I think, confused. Uh, they rebound constantly, whether they go a lap down or whatever. They, they always find a way to use, as you just pointed out, Steve, that speed, that just pure, raw, blinding speed that the number 78 Toyota has had all year, that can be a great absolver of any sins that the team commits in terms of lack of execution. I think yeah, that's yeah. their savior. But that's adversity. DJ, I'm not talking about adversity. I'm talking about pressure. One race to add your name to the list of champions at the cup level. Yeah, that, that's the main thing is, is that, that that's a whole other element that we don't talk about a lot of time is the pressure that the drivers are under. Who handles it the best? Uh, that could be the difference in doing all that. I'll say this about having a fast race car. You can have mistakes 
on pit road possibly. And if you have a fast car like Truex has had all year, we've seen them be able to overcome things. You don't want to make any mistakes in this one race, uh, win or take all basically. Uh, but if you have a fast race car, there are things that you can get by with that others can't really. He did note specifically, though, in your conversation with him that he does not feel the pressure that everybody has seemingly placed on him. I mean, when he said that to you, did you think, okay, yeah, I believe you, or did you think, all right, say it till you believe it sort of uh, thing? Yeah, yeah I, I'll flash back to 1999, and I said all the same things, you know, <laughs> and every driver every year. You try to deflect that as much as you possibly can because you have to do that. You, you have to make yourself believe that, hey, this is another event. I have a good car. I've done all of these things. I know what to do, but I'm telling you, when you get in that situation to where it is right there in front of you and, and this is what you have to do, uh, that pressure becomes immense. I don't know why I'm feeling pressure for him, but I almost feel like I'm feeling nervous because of all the other contenders that are in this championship field that have seemed to just be here. Uh, Kyle Busch, is there a driver that's better at handling pressure than him? No, not really. You know, I mean, you could say Kevin Harvick might be one, but Kyle Busch, he's proven that he knows exactly what to do. He's had his back up against the wall. He's come back from adversity. He's got a great team, and he understands exactly what has to happen in this situation. And I think the way that he deals with pressure is with just tremendous talent. He believes in, in what he can do with a race car that others can't do, and that'll get him by any pressures that may be there. All right, well, I know pit crews are under pressure all the time, basically, and they don't get nearly the accolades that they've deserve, but this season we have recognized the hardworking crew members in the garage as nominees for our NBC Pig Crew All-Stars. When we come back, we're going to begin to reveal who made our final All-Star team for 2017. We can't wait. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Tomorrow in Miami, it's Championship 4 Media Day for both the Monster Energy Cup and Xfinity Series. We will have interviews with all eight drivers. That's at 5 Eastern Time. Well, more than 60 of the sport's best crew members were nominated for this year's NBC Pit Crew All-Stars. All are valuable members of their teams. Only 10 made our final cut. We picked six over the wall, guys, and then we also picked four additional members of the team who are very important. But we selected one name that belonged to each position out of what amounted to about 60 nominees. So it's a really exciting day to finally narrow these down and see. We're going to start with the tire guys. So the front tire carrier that we selected, Graham Stoddard from Levine Family Racing. Yeah, Graham is a great story. And as you mentioned, he's the tire carrier for the 95 of Levine Family Racing. Think about this. He grew up in Charlotte but moved out to Lincoln, Nebraska in about the eighth grade. And what Rick Allen reminded me, if you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, what you do is you go to Nebraska and you play football. And that's what Graham did. He was a linebacker at Nebraska actually graduated with a job in finance. But then after finance, he said he had to do something different. So in 2014, he found a pit crew combine for Michael Walter Bracing, impressed them enough that he joined the pit crew, and he's worked with multiple different teams. So it's a great story of a guy that transferred into NASCAR without a racing background. And we should mention you have a pretty cool helmet there in front of you, which we showed you guys, I think it was yesterday on the show. This is going to the All-Stars. Yeah, that's right. We're going to give all 10 of these down on uh, the stage, really, in Miami. So it's going to be fun. Championship weekend awards always are good to be given out. All right. How about our front changer? That would be Mike Lingerfeld, who's been very passionate about racing since he was a teenager, basically. Yeah, I've known Mike for years. Mike Lingerfeld is the true journeyman of NASCAR. He has changed tires really as long as I've been in the sport. He entered the Cup Series at 97, and he has won multiple championships. Think about it. Bobby Labonte, Tony Stewart, and Jimmy Johnson. But he's probably best known for a really a horrific accident in the 2000 Daytona 500 to try to save Tony Stewart's day. He jumped out in front of a car to save a tire. The car went over him, fractured his femur. He had to get surgery, had a rod put in his leg. Seven months later, 
He jumped over the wall at Charlotte Motor Speedway to change tires again. So Mike Lingerfeld as tough as nails when it comes to pick remembers. With Roush Fenway, DJ and I are just shaking our heads oh, here God. listening yeah. to this story because we've been blown away by how tough these guys are. And you know how tough these guys are because you've Absolutely. worked around them your entire career. But, Nate, the rear carrier, Ethan Marquette, from JTT Doherty, um, these guys do such great work on the track and also off, and he was such a great example of that. He is, Carolyn. He does a lot of uh, a lot of his time to volunteering at the American Diabetes Association in Charlotte, and that's because he was diagnosed with type one diabetes when he was three years old. That certainly didn't stop him from having a successful career as an NASCAR pit crew member. Twelve years in the sport, he's worked at every pit crew position, and he's also worked as a pit crew coach been at Roush Fenway and RCR, and as you mentioned, Carolyn, now at JTG Doherty Racing. Also grew up in Wisconsin, and he is a Green Bay Packers fan, which somehow sure. didn't disqualify him. I'm not being, sure how he made the list as a Packers fan. Not sure how he made the list. I'm going to have to get my pencil back out. through from Steve Letard's list. Um, rear changer, Rafael Diaz, 16 car in the Xfinity Series, a recent addition to the 43 car in the Cup Series. Another phenomenal story. Yeah, great stories all around. And he actually aspired to be a professional soccer player to begin with, so we know he's a great athlete. But there's so much more to him. And, and now being a tire changer and he actually works in the race shop too as a, a fabricator there but he came through nascar's uh, drive for diversity program and i think that you know we hear about that so much that we think about the drivers but there's so many crew members that are now getting opportunities in that garage area and him getting opportunities now he's worked his way up through the ranks just like drivers have to do he started in the xfinity series did a great job there and has now moved up into the cup series and our last one to reveal in this first group of five is our spotter very important position and it's a man you know very well, Steve, T.J. Majors. Yeah, so I want to just go be clear that everyone nominated T.J. I don't want to have any personal <laughs> bias, but they nominate him because of the job he does. T.J. Majors, it's well-documented, longtime friend to Dale Earnhardt Jr. They met each other iRacing online, of all things, and then he moved down. T.J. basically loaded all his stuff in a trailer, drove down, and pulled into Dale Jr.'s driveway and said, all right, buddy, I'm here. What am I going to do? And his first job was a driver for Junior Motorsports, where he won a race years ago. TJ actually claims that he was the first winner for Junior Motorsports. I cannot guarantee that, but that's his claim. But, you know, he's so well-known and does such a great job on top of the roof. I think it just proves the point that as Dale Jr. retires at this race in Miami, he will then move to spot for Joey Logano. So when you think about a spotter going from a two-time Daytona 500 champion to spot for another Daytona 500 champion, it just shows how well-rounded he is and how talented he is at his job, Carolyn. Okay, so here are the first five members of this year's NBC Pick Crew All-Stars. One more time for you to take a look. Two tire carriers, two tire changers, and our spotter. And we're going to announce the other five members coming up in just a little bit on the show. But we're off to a great start. Very deserving names right there on that list. Coming up, Dale Jr.'s My Greatest Eight Moments continues with a return to the 2014 Daytona 500 where rain made for a very long night, but for Junior Nation, it was worth the wait. That's next right here. Stay with us. NASCAR championships in both the Xfinity and Monster Energy Cup Series are decided this weekend live in Miami. The Xfinity Series races at 3 Eastern on NBCSN right here. And 24 hours later over on NBC, the Cup Series championship will be decided. For four Cup Series drivers, all the work that they put in this season now comes down to this Sunday. But for one other driver, the sport's most popular driver, this weekend marks the end of a whole lot more, as detailed so eloquently by Budweiser. The debut is happening, and all eyes are on Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt. 
Hart Jr., father is a seven-time cup champion. Welcome to history. just a very powerful piece put together by Budweiser and when it was released it went viral so quickly it was such a hit with Junior Nation fans could not get enough of it and when you watch it you just understand why and it was also a hit with Junior's wife Amy she tweeted this out (laughs) grab your tissues I mean short and sweet but Steve it it really just sums up the power behind that commercial it was wonderful yeah, I mean, it's a perfect example of sometimes less is much, much more. And I think that's what this weekend's going to be about for Dale Hart Jr. I actually uh, tweeted back to Amy and said, if you think you need your tissues yet, it's only the middle of the week. Wait until the weekend. <laughs> and uh, I lived this on my own small little area a few years ago when it was my last weekend in Miami. And I remember Sunday morning, the last talk I had with Dale, the walk to the pit box, climbing on the pit box, really was uh, probably the most emotional I'd ever been in racing. And I expect it to be the same for Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, there's so many people that care about him that want to speak to him. I'm just very, very thankful that I'll have the opportunity to be in the booth for his final race. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine, and I'm excited to see him run his final laps at Miami. Yeah, yeah that was so I mean, that was great. I mean, it just encompassed everything. And, and it makes you realize that, yeah, there's people that won more races 
than Dale Jr. did, but it seems that each one was so very special in so many different ways, and that brought out a lot of that, brought back a lot of memories, and it just makes you realize that if people would just realize, sit back and take it in, he had an outstanding career, and uh, that was just one of the moments that will show us that. Yeah, his legacy was robust, and I know you've been through that process before, so yeah, I'm sure it's be good tough. advice yes. to grab the tissues. Uh, we are getting closer to Sunday, and Junior's been picking his eight greatest moments of his career, so the one he picked, the one that's next on the list for us today, is his second Daytona 500 victory back in 2014. The white flag comes out. Junior showing no problem whatsoever. Here they come for the final time up the super stretch. Who will win the Daytona 500? Dale Earnhardt Jr. at the bottom of the racetrack. Throws the block topside. Throws the block downstairs. Here they come, racing back to the start-finish line. Dale Earnhardt Jr. throws the block on Denny Hamlin. Across the line he comes, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500 for the second time. Oh, yeah! Man, can you believe it, Steve? I love you, man. I love you. Thank you. I can't believe this. <laughs> this is better than the first one. That may be one of Junior's eight greatest <laughs> moments, but for Steve, I'm sure that is right at the top of your list. Yeah, I mean, if it didn't make the list, I told him I was never going to talk to him again. I mean, this one had to make the list, but it was of... Uh, you know, Nate Ryan and I actually just had this conversation the other day of everything I accomplished in my career as I get farther away from my career as a crew chief, those accomplishments seem to diminish. But winning the Daytona 500 and fortunate enough to do it with superstar Dale Earnhardt Jr., as I get farther away from my career, it really becomes kind of the identity. It's how you're introduced. Um, there's something magical about that race. Dale can speak uh, right to it, as he knows, as a multiple-time winner. It, it, it was a magical day in my life. I'm glad I got to share it with Dale he is so, so good down there. He's shown it time and time again. So, uh, yeah, we're going to share that one. That might be one of his eight greatest, but it might be my number one greatest. <laughs> you know what? We have to consider the totality, though, of how this sport is going to change after the weekend. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is such a huge part of that. But Sunday is also the last ride for Danica Patrick in the 10 car for Stuart Haas Racing. And Matt Kenseth, this is his farewell tour and was capped off so beautifully by his most recent win. Last month, Danica appeared on NASCAR America from the Hall of Fame. And it's one of our moments of the season today, presented by Coca-Cola. I wanted to be the first me, not the next somebody else. I just didn't see anyone and think I want to be just like you. Downstairs, it's a blast. That's the victory you need Sunday. It sounded like that was four tires in under ten right there. I like that. I used to be a barista. Did you really? You didn't think the conversation was going to go this way, did you? <laughs> My parents will tell you that I would just not show up for work. That's crap. I did show up for work. <laughs> well, I just have no idea the butterfly effect that happens when you can inspire someone to, to develop a dream and something that they want to do. Just how important, DJ, is Danica Patrick's impact, legacy on this sport? We spent a lot of time talking about Dale Earnhardt Jr., yeah. This is also an important piece of the weekend. It's a huge piece of the weekend, and she's been a huge part of this sport for the years that she's been here. Yeah, we're not standing here talking about number of victories or anything else, but we're talking about someone, a young lady, that moved the needle in this sport. The sport is better because she's been a part of it. I hope she continues to be a part of it. But when you stand in the, the garage area and in the pits and in the stands and you see all the females that are there with Danica stuff on, the young girls now realizing that if they aspire to do whatever it is, Danica has 
told them they can be and do whatever they want. Yeah, legacies in the sport aren't always defined by the number right. of wins. We've no. seen that. There are plenty of Hall of Famers who prove that as well. When NASCAR America comes back, we are going to go back to the pits and reveal five more selections for this year's NBC Pit Crew All-Star Team, some of the best crew members in NASCAR. That's next. Follow the championship four and junior closer than ever Sunday with Hot Pass right here. Lee Diffie and DJ bringing you in-car cameras, team radio. That is Sunday at 3 Eastern, so make sure you are flipping back and forth. It is worth it, I promise you. And today on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Morning Drive, DJ was asked whether it's harder to win a championship in this current format or the one that existed when he won his championship back in 1999. I honestly believe that this scenario of doing all of the work for 35 weeks to get to this, I think this is more difficult in looking from it from the outside. You know, it, you can go through 34 races and you can have some ups and downs there. Now it's one race. And the, the amount of pressure and understanding that, you know, this is if you don't do this, then you finish second, third, or fourth. And, and that's not what you came to do. You came to win. And I really believe this pressure is much more uh, uh, intense than, than what I faced. DJ is an honest man. All right, let's get back to the big reveal of today's show, the second half of this year's NBC Pit Crew All-Star Team. Let's get to the other five members yep. now. Steve, let's start with who we've chosen by Team NBC to be the gas man. And that is a job that we tend to see when things have gone wrong more than right. But Caleb Hurd with the 11 team, he normally gets it pretty right. Well, and he knows what it's like when the pressure's on. He played college football for Virginia Tech for, in the late 90s, 96 to 99. Uh, graduated with a mechanical engineering degree. Worked at Hendrick Motorsports for almost a decade, then transitioned to Joe Gibbs Racing. So he knows how to win and knows how to perform on the racetrack. But I think Caleb is best known for what he does away from the racetrack. Him and his wife, Courtney, volunteer their time and effort at so many different local charities. And they had a daughter, Kate, about nine weeks early. And it was, I think it was the Phoenix race where he got word that she had some medical issues, had to have surgery. And when you saw the entire NASCAR community rally around Caleb, you instantly realized not only is he a tough competitor over pit wall, but he's truly loved on the other side of pit wall. And that's what makes him an all-star. And I also love the story that our Jackman, who is Ray Gallahan, has uh, for Penske, worked at a car wash and worked his way up from there. <laughs> the best. Yeah, he was, he was ready for a, a lifetime in car maintenance from the very beginning. He said he was the MVP of the car wash when he worked there in high school, high school and college, worked on interior and vacuuming, was really good at it. He spent over a decade at Penske, and unfortunately, one of his most memorable moments at Penske wasn't a good one. It was in the 2014 championship finale when he was working on Joey Logano's car, and that car fell off the jack. That pretty much cost Logano a shot at winning the championship that year, Steve. But the team rallied around Ray, and they told him, you're going to come back from this. And sure enough, the very next race, the 2015 Daytona 500, he delivered flawless stops with the team, and Joey Logano won the 2015 Daytona 500. Well, and you talk perseverance. I have his quote. It's spectacular. He said, for me, it's pretty breathtaking to go from, like, the lowest of lows to possibly one of the highest of highs you can have in the sport. That's true perseverance for sure. Yeah, it's incredible. Our tire specialist is Jeff Sorella. 
And he has been working in this sport for the better part of three decades. I mean, talk about somebody who absolutely loves racing. Yeah, from right here in Connecticut and started in the modified ranks and did so many things with a lot of the top drivers there and learning that and then moved south to be a part uh, of the NASCAR fraternity and has done a tremendous job. Tire specialists, you don't hear about them a whole lot because they don't ever go over the wall. They're behind the scenes back here. And it's not just that they take the four tires and say, okay, we're going to throw these four on here. There's a real science to this and make Making the car work. They have to communicate with everything that they're doing with the crew chief, make changes on very quick uh, timing because the crew chief might tell him as the car's coming down pit road, hey, I need a pound of air out of the right rear tire and trying to find that and make all of that happen. So he does a great job and has been at this sport a long time. Yeah, Steve, quickly before we move on to our next um, deserving all-star, I was just fascinated when DJ was explaining to me everything that goes into what it means to be a tire specialist and how much pressure is actually on these guys. I mean, for a sport that revolves around those four <laughs> stinking tires most of the time, these guys really have to be on their game. And, Carolyn, that's where I started my career. When I went from uh, floor sweeper, my first job <laughs> on the road was tire specialist. And, you know, people forget that's it. Those are the only four things that touch the racetrack are the tires, so they have to be right. And that was the whole point of this entire program was to highlight the men, the women, and the positions that it takes to put a car on the racetrack. We're going to celebrate a championship this weekend. But the untold stories from the crew members up and down pit road, they really should be celebrated. I wish we could tell them all. We just, we only have so many shows. <laughs> yeah. They are engine tuner, Frank Mathalia from RCR. Yeah, he works in the Cup Series, uh, Carolyn. But Frank actually is all about the modifieds. He grew up in upstate New York, watched Richie Evans, Jerry Cook, NASCAR Hall of Famers in that modified series. So he's a real connection to that, that throwback series that we all know and, and love so much that's based in New, uh, New England. And, Steve, I know you're passionate about the choice that we made uh, for engineer, and that would be Andrea Mueller, a very talented woman. Well, from somebody who was only ever as good as his engineer, I know how valuable that position was, and Andrea is so, so talented. I mean, she graduated from Cal Poly, way smarter than me. And think about this, worked at Boeing and Pratt & Whitney, worked on NASA space programs. So, truly, we have a rocket scientist or <laughs> a rocket engineer as part of the team. And every time I talk to this team, Jeremy Bullens, or Ryan Blaney, they can not say enough nice things about Andrea and what she con <laughs> contributes to their race team. I think we need a rocket scientist as part of our analyst group here at NBC Sports. If the closest that we have is Kyle Petty, I think That's we, we all may be I was going to ask, do you not know KP is one? <laughs> no, <laughs> very, very deserving group. So here's our second group of five in our pit crew all-stars. We've got the gas man, Caleb Hurd, the jack man, Ray Gallahan, tire specialist, Jeff Sorella, engine tuner, Frank Mathalia, and engineer and rocket scientist, Andrea Mueller. They joined the five crew members that we announced earlier. Tire carriers Graham Stoddard and Ethan Marquette. Tire changers Mike Lingerfeld and Rafael Diaz and spotter EJ Majors. A great group there. And as we get ready for the weekend, we must remember that last year's championship is going to be a very tough act to follow. We're going to look back on some of the twists and turns and the seven-time champ who somehow ended up in victory lane once again. Twenty-five years ago today, one of NASCAR's most significant races took place, the 1992 season finale at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It was the final race for seven-time Cup Series champion, the King, Richard Petty, and it was also the debut for 21-year-old Jeff Gordon. And there was a championship on the line. Baby Allison was the favorite until a crash on lap 254. And then it was down to Bill Elliott and Alan Kowicki. In the end, Elliott won the race, but Kowicki finished second to win the title by just 10 Points. And DJ, you were in this race. You finished in 10th place in this race. But when you consider what was on the line and what happened, some have called this 
if not the greatest, one of the greatest races in NASCAR's history. Oh, unbelievable. Six drivers went into this with a chance to win the championship mathematically, but it was just a tremendous race, and that accident took out some there and changed the landscape of it. But Alan Kowicki was literally figuring down to the lap that he needed to lead to lead the most laps and not have to win the race to win this championship. It was just unbelievable. And, of course, he was, you know, the owner, the driver, did everything on this team. And what a huge day and victory and championship for him. Yeah, absolutely. So last year's finale at Homestead Miami Speedway, also a classic. You know, maybe not to that extent, but certainly a classic. Tony Stewart drove his last Cup Series race, that late restart that changed (laughs) everything, and Jimmy Johnson claiming his seventh title. Green flag back in the air. Back to the 22. Coming to your bumper. Protect, protect. Carl Edwards into the wall. He got tagged by the 22. They reckon, they reckon. Back it down, back it down, back it down, back it down, back it down. Get low. Gone. Need to see it in like that. That's what they want. They want it to be a caution. Stop for the restart. Damn. Thought I gave enough room. All right, man. I'm sorry. No, that's 100% me. Five laps remaining. Green flag goes up in the air. And now the battle will be for the number two position and potentially for the title. Here comes Jimmy Johnson. They're crashing off turn two. One car spins down to the bottom of the racetrack. Yellow, 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 yellow. Be two laps to go when you take the flag. 42 is the leader. Here we go. Green flag waves again. Great restarts by both the 48 and the 22. Jimmy Johnson out front. He's clear, 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 clear. One more time around from Miami. Make room, Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. There's another seven-time champ. Yes! Yes! My darling! I don't even know what to say. Yes! You're a good man. You're a great champion. Now you're a seven-time champion. (laughs) You know what, Nate? For somebody that covers this sport and is getting ready for another wild weekend at Miami, I'm just curious about what you remember about last year's finale (laughs) when you watch it again everything just comes flooding back about how classic that race actually was well two things come to mind immediately carolyn i think when i watch that i think back to sunday at phoenix denny hamlin i felt a lot about his chances to win that race like i did carl edwards at miami last year steve and then thinking about that that was carl edwards's last race (laughs) when he hit that wall that's that was it that was it and here's the thing carolyn every race has a moment and that moment can decide who wins or who loses. The difference is this race in Miami on Sunday, when it has its moment, it's not going to be just who wins the race. It's going to be who wins the championship. So that moment, therefore, trumps anything that we've seen all year. None of us know when it's going to come, nor do the drivers. We're not even sure what drivers will be a part of it. We just know it will be exciting. That's why it's so hard for me, because I just want it to happen right now. It's been a year, and I still can't believe Jimmy Johnson won that race. (laughs) So it's just, I mean, so many things were happening there. And it just goes to show that as we sit here all week and try to talk about who's the favorite and who may win this, it literally is going to come down to which one of these drivers can will themselves to the lead uh, at the final of 400 miles. There's just absolutely no way to predict it. But we're going to keep trying to, okay? Yeah, for a couple more days, (laughs) we're just going to keep throwing stuff out there and see what sticks until Sunday finally gets here. That's all for NASCAR America Media Day in Miami tomorrow. Make sure you're with us. We're going to have it all covered for you. We will see you then. Same place, same time, 5 p.m. Eastern, NASCAR America. Big day tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thank you.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.